Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 20th episode of the Overline Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis Martin. On this week's episode, we'll be talking everything NBA, draft recap and trade grading and free agent speculation. I'm pleased to be joined by my co-host, Nate Kennedy. Nate, how's it going? Not too bad, pal. Glad to join you today. Talk some NBA. And our guest this week, Nolan Russell. Welcome back, Roland. Uh, Roland. <laughs> Nolan. Roland Russell. <laughs> Roland. Nolan. I don't know why I said Roland. Sorry. Uh, Nolan Russell. How's it going, Nolan? We, we got to keep that in. Uh, and no, it is staying in. Uh, how's it going? <laughs> uh, okay, well, tr- transitioning off of that. I, I'm glad to have you this week, Nolan, because obviously, you know, I think you're one of the more insightful people about the NBA draft that I've ever talked to. So I think that's where we're going to start, obviously. And I think the big overall question is, uh, who do you think won the NBA draft this year? Uh, okay, that's a good one. Uh, one of the teams that didn't have like a lot of high picks, but I think got good value overall was Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got Desmond Bain 30th which I thought was a huge steal for them. They even got Killian uh, Tilly as a like undrafted player, which was, was a big uh, pickup as well. So I liked, I liked uh, what they did overall. Aside from that, uh, Detroit, I really like that they drafted Killian Hayes. I think Killian Hayes is great. They got him seventh, which is a steal in my opinion. I didn't really like their other picks though. I, I, Sadiq Bay was a good one, but, Isaiah Stewart was a terrible one, so it kind of balances out there. <laughs> Philadelphia had a pretty good draft with Tyrese Maxey and a couple other guys. I can't remember yeah, who I, uh, the other one was. I, but... I really like Tyrese Maxey. I think he'll be a good fit. Um, yeah, I think so too. I think uh, I think one of my winners for sure, and uh, I think a lot of guys were talking about it on the actual draft pre-show, but I think the fact that Tyrese Halliburton slipped to 12 for the Kings I think is a huge win for them. Um, I didn't really expect him to hang around that long. Uh, he kind of he has a lot of potential for them to be a really good two way guard. I mean, he's six five, seven foot wingspan. I mean, and I'm really surprised that that the Knicks didn't draft him anyway. Like they're in desperate need for a point guard, and like I don't know how you go out and draft another forward. But I mean, that's the Knicks. I'll let them do what they want to do. But uh, I think I think Halliburton was definitely one of the bigger steals. So I think the Kings definitely had a big impactful first round. Um, but kind of some stuff that went under the radar. Um, I honestly really like the Raptor signing of Malachi Flynn. Um, I think that might actually pay off. I don't, it'll depend how many minutes they give him off the rip. But um, I think if they give him time to develop, I don't know if they're going to give him as many minutes off the jump as I think people expect him to get. But uh, I think if we give him time, I think he'll develop well. Yeah. yeah. Well, after retiring Van Vliet, I don't think he's going to get a lot of playing time this mm-hmm. year. But long term, I think. Like how how much more time do they really have with Lowry? I don't know. So yeah, getting a point guard in there, you know, Malachi Flynn's super underrated, I think too. So I, I agree, that's a good draft for them. I'm I was just about to say, uh, I think you know, I think well, we were talking about this before the podcast draft pick that you know Fred might be out the door, but now I think it's more likely that you know we see next year that this might be Lowry's last year as a Raptor, um, you know, because. Maybe you could give, I don't know, maybe you guys can disagree with me, but, you know, giving uh, Fred, who's earned the opportunity to be the number one guy, and then having Flynn kind of be your second guy, and, you know, giving him one year to learn under those guys, it seems like the perfect plan to move forward. And then also, you know, 
just they have so much depth at the guard position now after the draft. I just it's it's insane to be honest. Um yeah, I think um is a don't get me wrong, is Lowry a free agent next year or is he still under contract following next year? No, he's a free agent next year. Okay. Um then honestly, I uh I don't see how likely it is that we make a deal with involving Lowry before his contract expires, but I think if I'm the front office, I think that's something that you really have to consider. Um, I understand Lowry's been a long-term tie for the Raptors and he's given a lot to the franchise and he's really been one of the premier faces of the franchise since the Raptors have actually like started. So I know it'd be kind of a tough pill to swallow to kind of trade Lowry, but I think realistically in terms of getting value back, I think that's a realistic thing that you might have to take a look at. I know it's, as I said, not maybe the best thing for Raptors fans even to look at when a face of the franchise kind of is the possibility of leaving. Um, but I think you could, at this point, get good value back. I mean, I think he, him and Chris Paul, I put kind of in the same boat, not not on the like same platform almost, because I think Chris Paul really made a name for himself almost into a second coming of his prime. He's kind of reestablished his value this year. Um, and I think, honestly, it's much like Lowry. Like, Lowry's played up, up and above his potential pretty much his entire career. He's done everything he's been asked, so... I don't really see a drop-off, and I think his value is kind of retaining. So I feel like if you're going to try to make the jump like that and you're going to make the transition in the next wave of your franchise with Van Vliet, I think you have to kind of take a look into Lowry and see what you can possibly get back before his uh, contract expires. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I, yeah, I definitely agree. Maybe, um, Nolan, you could talk a little bit about um, about Flynn and you know, what he brings when he's on the court because I'm not going to lie, I – when I heard this pick, I didn't even know who he was before I read your uh, article, which you guys should check out on the, I'm uh, sorry, the article looking at all the picks in the first round and highlighting some of the better picks in the second round. That's up on the website. But yeah, go ahead, Nolan. What do you think of uh, Flynn as a player? I like Flynn a lot. He's one of those guys that he played, well, he played three seasons in college, but he was in college for four years. He had to sit out a year because of transfer. But uh, a lot of these guys, kind of get underrated because there are four-year players. It happened with Van Vliet. It happened with Malcolm Brogdon, Brandon Clark last year. So Flynn's, you know, his potential is not super high because he played four years and he doesn't show a lot of room for growth at this point, but he's really steady a lot. He, he actually gets a lot of comparisons to Van Vliet. I think he's more similar to George Hill, but he's kind of in that mold of just like a really calming presence that just does a lot of things really well. Smart player. He's very good in the pick and roll, just like a guy, a kind of guy that doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I, uh, I was gonna say the same thing. He's kind of uh, the equivalent to kind of a game manager in the NFL, like kind of just taking care of the ball. He's not gonna, he's not gonna put any risky situations out there that could cause turnovers or anything like that. As you said, he takes care of the ball. Good decision making, good IQ. I think he's kind of just. I think he's gonna probably develop into like more of a gel guy, as you said, like a guy very similar to Van Vliet or even George Hill, like you said. I think he's uh he's the kind of guy you could I think in my mind that you could kind of bank on for that twelve and seven a night. I feel like he's that that would kind of be his realistic stat line if I had to give him one almost. But I think yeah, I think he um I think he has potential. I think as you said, him being a four year player is a bit of a deterrent in terms of his like overall potential. But I think he's I think given time, I think he could develop into a nice piece for us. Yeah, he's he's a really good player. Like in his conference, which is uh, Mountain West Conference, not a huge conference, but he was named Defensive Player of the Year last year. Uh, And he's just he averaged, I think, 17 and a half points, five assists, almost five rebounds. 
led uh, led his team to being one of the best teams in the country. So he's a really good player. Like he's gonna he's gonna be a immediate asset to the team. Like I don't know how many minutes he's gonna get, which. I really thought they were probably going to lose Van Vliet when they drafted him. Maybe they thought that Van Vliet might be leaving, and that was part mm-hmm. of it. I don't know. Or perhaps it's because, you know, Lowry might be getting traded or leaving at the end of the season, so they're just setting themselves up long-term. But I like Flynn a lot. I think he's a, he's a good fit for the Raptors. So, yeah, he, he was a good Yeah, I, um, I, I do want to oh. say real quick, uh, Curtis and I were talking about it yesterday. Um. I want to know your thoughts because a lot of people going into uh, next offseason are very aware that there are a lot of big names, even besides Giannis being a free agent. Um, do you think – I understand that locking up Van Vliet for four years, especially on a very affordable deal at 21, 21 mil clip a year, um, do you think that that was the right decision for us going forward? Or do you think we maybe should have thought about a possible replacement of Van Vliet with Malachi Flynn and possibly pushing towards a big signing next year, much like a Kawhi? Um. No, I I'm, I feel pretty good about their signing of Van Vliet. I think they got him for a reasonable amount of money, especially with a lot of players getting really overpaid mm-hmm. this offseason. I think it's in their best interest to probably trade Lowry at the deadline this year. Too. I don't think they have a real shot of winning a title this season, even though, you know, they're going to be good. But uh, they should probably unload him for some future assets at some point. But I think Van Vliet is young enough and – He's really proven himself to be a great player for them and fit their system. So I don't mind them signing him for a reasonable contract. Yeah, like, like they did. Um, we did touch on it earlier. I think the fact that we did sign him for an affordable deal, I think, is a big plus for us. Um, I think that was my only really deterrent of re-signing Van Vliet was I was afraid that he was going to get overpaid, like in the ballpark of like 25, 27 mil a year, something like that. And I feel like that kind of would have put us behind the eight ball in terms of possibly making moves next year. But uh, as you said, I think definitely uh, building towards the future is definitely the move for the Raptors right now. Um, I think it's not the hardest thing to see that, especially in the East with how top-heavy it's kind of getting with a lot of powerhouse teams. I feel like we're going to have to kind of make moves to compete with that. And I feel like uh, although the move of Lowry doesn't really sit well with me, I would like to see him stay. I feel like we need to get the value while it's there. And I feel like, yeah, we just need to kind of build towards the future at this point instead of kind of holding on to assets that are kind of dwindling. Tell me if I'm crazy or not, but, you know, Lowry's not young. And I know, like, a lot of NBA players play in, into their uh, elder years, like Vince Carter did this past season before he retired, um, who's another Raptor, obviously, former Raptor. But, you know, Cal, Cal Lowry's going to be turning 35 in a month. So is it possible that, you know, he plays one more season and then calls it quits? Because he's got his chip. So... Like, I'm just thinking that's another possibility, too, because he is a Toronto guy. I mean, maybe if he gets signed with Philly or something like that for another season, but I you know, usually in that age range, you'd think that guys are towards the end of their career. Yeah, I um, as much as I think he would retire, um, I think the league recognizes that a player like Lowry is very valuable to a championship run, especially with his now championship experience, given that he has won a title now. Um, I feel like once his contract expires this offseason, whether or not he's still on the Raptors or not, I think the Raptors will have a chance, I think, to sign him to a cheaper contract. I think he'll afford them the courtesy of that, given how old he is. Um, but if he doesn't end up re-signing with the, with the Raptors, I definitely see him possibly getting another like two-year deal somewhere else and possibly chasing another ring. Um, 
but I don't, I don't think his career is over. I mean, he hasn't really shown a significant decline. I mean, he's still very much a, he's very much still an NBA player. And I mean, he could still put up stats. He still moves the ball. Well, he's still Lowry. So I could see him possibly following the expiration of his contract with the Raptors. I could see him definitely pushing for another championship elsewhere. If he doesn't resign here for cheaper. Yeah, I think the demand's definitely going to mm-hmm. be there for him. I guess really the question is whether or not he's going to want to retire. Yeah. Um, it's possible, but he was kind of a late bloomer, and he seems to just be like he's still kind of in his prime in a weird way. Like he kind of hit his prime when he was like yeah. thirty, and now he's like, I feel like he's got a, at least two or three more seasons left in him. So I don't think it, he's going to retire anytime yeah. soon. Yeah, and I think. I think oh, sorry. Go ahead, Curtis. I think the reason why I say this also is because, as we know, like, uh, Lowry's had some major issues with his back over the last couple of seasons, you know. He's been sidelined for large parts of seasons because of injuries. So, I mean, not saying that he's not a great NBA player and that he still can't play in the NBA, but I don't don't know. I feel like once someone wins, like, like, for example, Vince never won a championship, and so you always are on that hunt for that championship, and that's why you try to stick around as long as you can. But, I mean, Lowry already has that after them winning in 2019. And, you know, obviously, you know, he's got a family, he's got kids. That's just my thinking behind it. I know a lot of people might think that I'm crazy for thinking that. But I think he's, like, one of those guys that, like, you know, if I'm going to finish, I want to finish as a Raptor. So, I don't know. I think I think he definitely has that in the back of his head. I, I'm not going to disagree with you there. Um, but, uh, Nolan, I actually really like what you said about him kind of being a late bloomer. I think. Watching uh, Lowry when he was young, I mean, even with the Grizzlies or even with the Rockets, I mean, he was still kind of finding himself in the league. He was kind of finding his mold and his niche that he was going to play through. And, uh, I mean, he really did find his home with the Raptors. And, I mean, he developed into, honestly, one of the most reliable point guards in the NBA, in my opinion. I mean, he's been, when healthy, extremely consistent, done everything he's asked, as I said. Um, And, yeah, to your point, I don't feel like he's done after his contract expires. Whether or not we re-sign him or he goes elsewhere, I feel like he's not done. I feel like he's still got a few good years left to uh, continue his name and further his legacy. Yeah, well, Curtis, I think, made a good point, though, too. Um, Especially with his injury history, if if he has a lot of injury problems this year, I, I could see him maybe calling it quits by the end of the season. I don't think it's out of the question, but I really feel like we haven't seen anything to indicate that he's kind of had enough at this point. He seems to just have that, that drive to keep playing. And I, I don't think that's going away. Yeah, he's a bulldog, man. So Lowry. Any, sorry, just a quick question before we uh, move, move on about Lowry. Do you guys think there's any chance that he comes back next year at all? Like any chance? Um, I think, I think, as I said, I think, I think there is a possibility of it. I just think it'll depend on the number. Um, okay, because actually, Nate, not to cut you off, but maybe to make it easier for you, maybe give me like a percentage. Like, what percentage do you think is likely for him to come back next season? And Nolan, you can answer this as well. What percentage that he that he comes back to the Raptors? I'm gonna I'm gonna place it at 33. percent And the reason I place it at 33, percent I think I think it's more likely that after after this season, I think it's more likely that he either retires, as you said, due to maybe skeptical health or, or even like fan, like just wanted to be, go home and see his family or he's going to go elsewhere. I think it'll just depend on where the money is. Um, but I mean, the likelihood that he comes back to the Raptors again, will just depend on his number. I think, uh, I think anything South of 10, I think would be reasonable. Um, 
but I mean, I, as I said, I mean, it'll just depend on kind of the market for point guards next year. And like, as Nolan said, there is going to be a high demand for a veteran point guard like Lowry on any championship contender. So I think, uh, I think it's going to be one of those things where time will tell and we'll kind of have to see how the season goes. Yeah, I think Lowry probably will want to stay in Toronto. I'm going to give it like a 20% chance. I think, I don't know how interested the Raptors management is in keeping him here long term. They have Van Vliet and now Malachi Flynn as kind of the successors to him. So really the only way I could see him returning is if he agrees to like a one-year deal on like a low contract. Like I, I don't see the reason mm-hmm. to keep him at this point. So unless he signs for like a substantial pay cut, it's just it just doesn't really make yeah, sense. And also, sorry, I, I know we kind of went on this path, but I quickly want to backtrack towards the draft and – I know that someone that was really big on your board, uh, Nolan, in, in your preview was Tyrell Terry. Or is that correct? Is that how you say it? Yeah, um, that's correct. And obviously yeah. he was taken in the second round. And you draft, uh, you made that pick an A-plus draft grade. So maybe just talk about him a little bit because I know you're really big on him. And also maybe the, like the Raptors messed it up, messed up on uh, not drafting him because obviously the, um, Tyrell Terry and um, Flynn both play the same position. Yeah, well, Terry ended up getting picked 31st, so he was two picks after Flynn as well. Um, it's interesting. Flynn is a great fit for the Raptors' culture and the way that they like to play and the, the kind of point guards that they have. He's kind of in that similar mold as Van Vliet and even to a certain extent Lowry of just like a calm point guard that does a lot of things well. I think Flynn right now is a better player than Terry is. I just think the potential with Terry is really high. Uh, he's one of the best shooters in the draft, if not the best. He's he's getting a lot of Steph Curry comparisons. I think he's probably closer to Seth Curry or even like a CJ McCollum mm-hmm. kind of player. Um, one of the big concerns with him was that he's kind of undersized at only 6'1". But reportedly, apparently he put on like uh, 15 pounds and 2 inches. I don't know how accurate that is. So, you know, take it what you will uh but if that's actually true then that just adds to the intrigue for me if he is in fact now six three instead of just six two or six one that's a lot more interesting um and yeah just a guy that can really shoot the ball that's got extremely good iq like i listened to him in interviews and uh he just knows the game so well he makes really really good decisions on both ends of the court like his size kind of limits him a little bit defensively, but he's very like mm-hmm. energetic and he works hard and he's very good positionally on that end. So he's not as bad defensively as he gets criticized for sometimes. Um, and apparently uh, a bunch of NBA teams have this like IQ test and he like wow. set the record for it. The, a lot of teams, uh, they're unnamed teams at the moment, but apparently he set the, an IQ record for basketball so- IQ. And he went to Stanford. Oh, so uh, it's not that surprising. Sorry, <laughs> so, sorry, just to add on to that. So why do you think he dropped so low? Because obviously, you know, all, there's there's a ton of players to pick from in this draft, obviously. And there's only two rounds in the NBA draft. But, like, it seems like you're naming, like, a, a future starting point guard in the second round. So maybe do you have any uh, knowledge of why he might have dropped so low? I think part of it is the amount of great point guards that were in this draft class. Some of them were just bound to get kind of slept on. There's only so many teams that are really looking for a point guard. And I think like there was a lot of really good point guards in this draft. So he kind of gets uh, slipped under the radar a little bit because of that. Uh, Another thing is 
like I mentioned, I think his defense is kind of underrated by a lot of people. Uh, and the fact that they're kind of sleeping on his defense, not that he's going to be a great defender, but I think he can be average on that end. And he's kind of getting criticized as a bad defender, which I don't yeah, think um, is totally fair. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, and then, yeah, okay, that's, no, that's good enough. I mean, all I was going <laughs> to say was, much to your point, I think uh, I think his defensive abilities kind of get swept on the rug. I mean, a lot of people said he has extremely good instincts for his uh, for his frame. I mean, he's uh, he has he does have decent length. I mean, he's six two. I think he's got like a six five six six wingspan, so not too bad. Um, I think the only really big thing for him defensively is he's a very underrated rebounder at the guard position. Um, I mean, even just he only played one year. He was an extremely good freshman, but he did average four and a half rebounds. And uh, I think that that kind of goes underrated, especially in today's NBA. I mean, you see guys like Russell Westbrook who attack tenacious rebounds, uh, whether or not he shared, <laughs> scares his teammates into not taking them because he wants triple doubles. That's that's kind of up in the air. But I mean, having that kind of defensive rebounding presence from a guard position, a guy who's not afraid to bang down low, so to speak, I feel like that kind of goes under the radar. Um, and also, I mean, I think the Mavs really did it right. I mean, you look at their first round pick, too. I really like Josh Green. I think that's going to pan out really well for him. I mean, he's an athletic yeah. freak. Um, he is a really raw prospect, as most people have said. Like, it's going to take time for him to refine his game. But, I mean, all signs are pointing up right now. And, I mean, especially with the Mavs, I mean, that's that's two holes that you've now just filled. I mean, whether or not you're going to start Seth or give Tyrell Terry maybe this year to develop. But I think Josh... Well, they, they, well, they, they, they traded Seth, we'll talk about so... That after. Oh, Terry yeah. kind of replaces so, him I mean, for them. If they, so. if they really want to push the youth movement, I mean... That starting lineup of Terry, Green, Doncic, Porzingis, and whoever they choose to play at center could be scary. Um, I think going back to, you know, yeah. since you brought up uh, the Mavericks and obviously the Seth trade, um, do you think that Seth got traded because um, Terry was still there at, in the second round for the Mavericks? I think the Mavs were looking to unload uh, a lot of the cap that they have salary cap hit. I think they're looking to sign Giannis next year, potentially, or, you know, somebody at least they, I think they really want to get a third star next season in free agency. So I think this is just one of many moves we're going to see from them. Just trying to, to clear some cap hit. I think that's the main then, factor. There. I don't want to uh, spoil too much of your article. And I definitely recommend people go read uh, the NBA draft recap that Nolan put up on the website. But uh, the second overall pick, James Wiseman, you I gave that a C plus draft grade. So, could you maybe uh, explain just a little bit about why you gave it such a low draft grade, and maybe talk about Wiseman and you know how he's going to fit on the Warriors this season? Yep. Uh, so I'm not big on his archetype in general of this sort of rim running center who rebounds and blocks shots, but doesn't really do much else. Uh, we see guys like Hassan Whiteside who are still unsigned at this point because the value is just not really there for these kind of mm-hmm. players anymore. Uh, especially in the playoffs, they they really get played off the floor a lot of the time. They can't switch on defense, so opposing teams will just attack them constantly on pick and rolls. And that's kind of the issue with Wiseman. Now, granted, I, I do think there's potential for him to improve in that area. He's a superb athlete, so if he can improve his footwork and his positioning and his IQ on the defensive end, I don't think it's out of the question that he could become uh, at least competent on that end. Uh, you know, the Warriors needed a center, so I don't hate the, the pick there. I think Okongwu is a better mm-hmm. fit for them. Wiseman has maybe a little bit more potential, but Okongwu is much better defensively, and that's kind of what the Warriors need. They don't really need more offense. With Clay going down, though, so... Uh, 
they now kind of have I don't know what they're really going to do this yeah. season with Clay out. It kind of throws a lot of uh like throws a wrench in their plans a little bit. So maybe Wiseman's going to have yeah, a bigger they, role than well, I thought. It's it's such a weird um, roster because you know I think a lot of people forget because of how weird this last season was, but Andrew Wiggins is on that team right now and then you have Draymond Green still there and so like I think I think maybe the next place we go since we are talking about the Warriors and we'll just quickly bring them up. But do you think they are a playoff team this year? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, the I thing is, is like team. we've seen, we've kind of seen this narrative play out before where kind of the odds are stacked against the Warriors at times. And it's not, it's not the most unknown story in the world of how they return. I mean, I wouldn't, I'm kind of predicting kind of an MVP like Steph run this year. Um, and I don't know if that's the coldest take on the planet or not, but I really think that he's poised to kind of take the league over again and kind of remind them of who he is. I mean, we really haven't seen, like we've seen glimpses still of that kind of Curry, but I mean, he has kind of been bit with the injury bug, much like a lot of the Warriors roster over the last few years. Um, but I'm really, I'm really excited to possibly see a little uh, poised Steph run this year. And I think uh, with that alone, I mean, when Steph's on, he's on and like, he he single-handedly can win games for them and i know it's it's really hard for an individual player to win a team game but i mean with a guy like that coming back fully healthy hopefully and being healthy for the full season again hopefully i think uh i think that team is definitely still a playoff team with who they have okay um i i agree with nate to a large extent i think the clay injury is going to hurt them of course but they still have a pretty solid roster there and steph is one of the best players in the game he was kind of my co-favorite for MVP along with Luka Doncic. I was kind of going back and forth as to who I thought would win. Uh, the clay injury does sort of hamper his chances a little bit, I think. Teams are going to be able mm-hmm. to throw a little bit more focus on him. You saw the Raptors kind of do that in the in the finals against him when clay went down. They just sort of double-teamed him on everything. Um, Wiggins is going to help a little bit in that sense because he, you know, you get another guy that can score for them at least to sort of – replace Clay's value to some extent. But yeah, the Warriors are still a playoff caliber team, even in the stacked West. I just don't I think the Clay injury hurts their chances of actually mm-hmm. being a legitimate it's just contender very interesting because obviously as you just mentioned uh Nolan that the draft is very or sorry, the Western Conference on the draft. The Western Conference is very deep. Obviously, you know, you have the two LA teams, Denver Nuggets still looking like a strong team, uh, Utah Jazz, you know, Portland, Dallas and then you still have the Memphis Grizzlies, who I thought really uh, showed something this year. And then obviously the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns making some moves this offseason. So, I, yeah, I think it's just yeah. going to be very interesting. I think, obvious, honestly, I think the West is going to be, I mean, you could have said this the last couple of years. I think the West is more interesting than the East. I'm, I mean, that's, that's kind of been the trend of the NBA. I mean, I think, I think for most people, you look at like the early 2010s and the East was extremely stacked. And then you look at the last five years and now it's been the West. Um, but I think honestly, the West is kind of up for grabs. I think it's going to be kind of whoever finds their fit first. And I mean, I feel, I think like the Lakers are clearly the front of the pack right now. I, I mean, it doesn't really take the most educated person to kind of say that. Um, <clears throat> but I think the West is kind of going to be a dogfight this year. I think there are a lot of people who could kind of shift up and surprise a lot of people. Like me personally, I think the Nuggets might end up stealing second again in the West. I think they're kind of poised for that. I think I think what they've built in that roster, I mean, with Jamal Murray, Gary Harris went on, Nikola Jokic. And honestly, I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to be the biggest dark horse going into this year. I think he 
he showed a lot in the bubble and him being healthy for them, I think is a huge plus for them going forward. Um, but I mean, I think, uh, I think the West, as I said, is going to be a dogfight, and I'd really be interested to see how it shakes out like post, uh, post the rest of the free agents getting signed. The interesting thing with the West is that pretty yeah. much all these teams got better. Uh, the Rockets are kind of a mess now. So aside from them, every other team really got better other than the Thunder, of course. But like the T-Wolves get Anthony Edwards with the first pick. And now that all of a sudden the T-Wolves are kind of looking decent. Like they don't even – they might even have a shot at getting in to the playoffs as like an eight seed. I don't think it's likely, no. but I wouldn't count them out entirely. The Kings aren't bad. The Spurs aren't bad. The Grizzlies got even better. The Suns, of course, got a lot better. The Blazers added Covington, mm-hmm. which is a big pickup for them. Like all these teams are playoff caliber teams, and like three yeah, or four it's of them are uh, really it's kind of crazy. Like you you look at it, and there are a lot of teams who you could definitely argue should be playoff teams. And to your point, I actually think the Timberwolves have a better shot than I think most people give them credit for. I think people are like very quick to forget, especially in today's league. It's kind of a uh, it's kind of the what have you done for me lately, so to speak. Like, what have, what have you kind of done to show me who you are in the most recent years? But, I mean, D'Angelo Russell, I feel like a lot of people are kind of forgetting how good he was on Brooklyn and how much of an impact he actually made and how much value he had going into Minnesota. Um, he did kind of have a, a bit of an off year. Um, but I think that team, combined with him, Edwards', Edwards explosiveness and his in, intense rim running, to say the least, I think is going to be a really good combo going forward. And I really think the kind of the X factor for them is going to be Cat. I think it's just going to depend how he plays this year. Yeah. And I think people kind of sleep on Malik Beasley too. Like he's kind of underrated. He was sort of stuck behind a bunch of players in the Nuggets backcourt. And then he gets traded to Minnesota and he averages 21 points per game for them in his 14 games there. Like he was really good for Denver too, as like just a guy off the bench that didn't get a lot of minutes. And now he's going to start getting minutes. And I think he could surprise some people too. So, the problem with Minnesota is they don't really no. have anyone that plays defense, <laughs> which is a pretty big concern. But offensively, their yeah. team's going to I mean, be really good. I, to, it's a it's a tale as old as time, but I mean, the defense wins championships. And I mean, again, it's it doesn't take the, the highest critic in the world to kind of assess that team and say Cat is oftentimes a defensive liability. And especially in today's league with how... I, I don't want to say how varying it is between a, an extreme output of perimeter shooting and then just an intense rim running offense, but I feel like Cap might get picked on in the West with how with how big and strong some front courts are. Like you look at the Nuggets, you look at the Lakers with AD. I feel like there are a lot of kind of bad matchups for Cat in there. Um, but I'm really excited to see what they have going forward because I'm I'm really excited for Anthony Edwards. I think he's going to come in and make an immediate impact. I think his. Uh, his jumper is going to need a bit of work. I mean, I think he only shot 29% from three in college. Um, and I mean, that number is really not indicative of what he actually shot. He was His shot selection at times was a bit shaky, as most people said. He was kind of trying to do too much, so I understand why his percentage dropped, much like that of Russell Westbrook because of his extreme volume. Um, but I feel like with a bit more with a bit more shot, I don't know, taking care of his shot and not putting up just anything that he can, I feel like he's going to show a lot of people that he can be a good, really good three-level scorer in the league. And uh, I think he just needs time. I mean, his raw athleticism is there. I think he just needs to round out the rest of his game. I completely yep, agree. I, agree. I think sticking in the uh, in the West and the team that we already brought up is the uh, OKC Thunder. And obviously, it's safe to say that they haven't gotten better this offseason. Um, maybe you guys can just talk a little bit about the four or five, actually, moves that they made in this offseason um, and 
I, I, I just have like one quick tidbit and I'll let Nolan take it because I'm sure he knows more than I do. But <clears throat> the only thing I want to touch on really quick is they have 17 first round picks from now until 2026. Um, and I, I put it on my Instagram story, but literally all I said was, now that's how you start a rebuild because that is, that is the dream have being able to acquire those assets and being able to offload your bigger contracts um, and kind of build towards the future with a guy like Shea, I feel like is a really big up for them. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a bit, it's going to be tough for them going forward, kind of building their own with how much youth they're going to have to bring in. But I really like what all the moves that they made in order to stock stockpile assets. Yeah, I'm a big fan of everything they're doing right now. I think it's a great move for them. You know, you get to a point where, okay, you can maybe make the playoffs, but are you really contending? What's the point at that? You know, like if you're not a legit championship contender, why not start the rebuild? And that's exactly what OKC did. And I think they're doing it perfectly. Uh, I love I love uh, the trades that they're making. They're acquiring so many draft picks. And uh, their team's not going to be very good this year, of course, which is fine. I don't no. think they really need to be good this year. Uh, the future is looking bright, though. They already got Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's a young star. Darius Baisley looked really good last season for them. I like the uh, drafting of Alexei Pokashevsky as potential. Like The potential mm-hmm. there is sky high. It's just a little bit risky, but they have so many draft picks. Who cares at this point? Theo Maladin's another good pick for them this year. So there's just a lot of good moves they're doing. I, I'm I'm a big fan of OKC. Yeah, I so, think an underrated yeah. pickup for them is getting a George Hill in the uh, the four team deal that saw them send out Stephen Adams. I really like George Hill as a player. Obviously, you know it's not going to make a difference for their team, and it's kind of a short term ad. But I also think that's kind of an interesting ad for to have kind of a guy like that add onto your young team. So yeah, I like what they're doing. I think. I think it takes guts. I think if we want to compare this to another sport, I think it's kind of like the Rangers a couple of years ago pulling the shoot in the NHL. Like they could have made the playoffs, but and they actually still made the playoffs that year. But they started trading away some of their better players because they knew that they weren't in contention. And I think, you know, that's worked out well for them. So we'll see what happens with uh, OKC. But I think, you know, obviously they've had an interesting uh, history to their franchise. You know, losing all their stars over the last couple of years and. You know, never quite making it to the promised land, but uh, I think the future is very bright for them. Um, I think uh, I think with that Adams deal, I think what people aren't really realizing is is how kind of set up the Pelicans are in their starting lineup now. I mean, uh, they are still waiting to re-sign Brandon Ingram. I mean, he is an RFA, so they're going to be able to match whatever offer he's given. Um, but I think with the lockdown of Brandon Ingram, I think that starting five is probably one of the more complete starting fives in the West right now. Um, I mean, there is still a lot to be proven. I mean, a lot of, a lot of young core with that. I mean, Lonzo, uh, Brandon Ingram, uh, given he resigns and Zion, but I think the adding of Steven Adams is going to be a really, really good gel piece for them. I think he does a lot. He does a lot more than people give him credit for. And I think he's an extremely underrated center throughout pretty much his entire career. He's kind of been overshadowed. Um, but I think he's going to make a huge impact for them. I mean, he's he doesn't really do too much. Like, he's not he's not one of the guys that's going to go out and try to <laughs> do everything he can. Like, he's never really been the first option. But, I mean, he plays an extremely good role. I mean, he's very sound on offense. He's a great rebounder, great interior defender. Um, I think he's going to bring a lot to that roster. 
Yeah, I agree. I love the Steven Adams pickup for them. The kind of the big thing they were lacking last year was the center, especially with Favors kind of having injury problems. And they lose Favors this year and they replace him with Adams, which I think is a big pickup from them. Drew Holiday was kind of a a, a, a big mm-hmm. loss for them, in, at least in the short term. But I still think their, their roster is looking really good with Lonzo, Reddick, Ingram, Zion, and Adams as their potential Very. starting five. That's that's a good and, team. Yeah, also, I think you already mentioned this, Nolan, but them adding uh, Eric Bledsoe is also a really good pickup in this 14 uh, trade. And, I, you know, I I think a couple years ago you would have thought that the Pelicans were in the dumpster, but it seems like they quickly turned things around and have moved forward. And uh, speaking of moving forward, we're going to move forward to the next topic in the podcast. And uh, talk a little bit about free agency because we haven't quite got there yet in some of the big signings. And so I think a, a really interesting team this offseason to start with, uh, you know, the Charlotte Hornets in the East, a very open East, as we talked about earlier. Uh, Gordon Hayward. So maybe you guys can just talk. I, yeah. Uh, you cut out a little bit there, but I think you were talking yeah, about correct. Gordon yeah. Hayward, right? Talking about Is that what you said? Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. That was a baffling decision. <laughs> Completely I, uh, ridiculous. I don't understand it at all. Yeah. So basically, Nate, maybe you all can I was going to say was I, I understand that Charlotte's kind of trying to build a core, and I understand that. But I think the farthest thing from the answer is giving Gordon Hayward $30 million a year. Um, I, don't think, I don't think he deserves that money. And not to say he doesn't deserve that money because he's not talented, but I mean, it's not rocket science. I mean, we haven't seen him fully healthy in four years, three years. I mean, he's been on and off the court pretty much the last, as I said, three or four years, we haven't really seen him fully healthy and play up to his potential. So I think the signing, I don't like the fact they gave him 30 million. I feel like if they were going to give him that kind of money, it should have been shorter term instead of locking their cap in at 30 million a year for the next four years. I think it's going to kind of put them behind the eight ball with what they're going to try to do next year or even past that. Um, I don't mind the move as to what he brings. I mean, he is still a great player. Um, He is kind of, I don't want to say he's a shell of his former self, but it's clear to see he's not quite as athletic as he once was. He still is a really – he's a great three-level scorer. I mean, he still has that ability to shoot from pretty much anywhere. Um, I mean, it's just – I think it's going to be kind of one of those time-will-tell things how well he actually fits in. But I just – I don't like the fact that they signed him to let alone four years or even besides that 30 mil a year, I feel like is way over there. Yeah. I think, you know, the contract itself is bad enough, even if he was yeah. a healthy player that has no injury history. Like thirty million a year for Gordon Hayward is a bit overpaid, but the fact that he's an injury, like his injury prone, makes it even worse. The fact that Charlotte is in a rebuilding stage and like doesn't need him is just it makes it even worse. Like I don't, I really don't understand this on any level. It's just a bad. Yeah, move. I think I'm. I have the roster pulled up right now. I think it's just like there's no one that really stands out on this team for me. I don't. Not to offend any of the players on this team, but. Um, the only person, maybe because my knowledge of the NBA is not as great as your guys' knowledge, but the only guy that I'm like recognizing right now, and he's not even that great, is Bismack Biombo, and that's because he used to be a Raptor. But you know, besides Lamelo Ball, I don't exactly um, know what 
like what kind of talent do they have on this team that could actually win them games. If Gordon uh, Hayward's healthy, I think they could be a playoff team because the East is really bad. But I don't, I don't know. Like it just doesn't. I, I think like you, Nolan, it just kind of, it kind of leaves me uh, scratching my head a little bit. It's. And, it's kind of funny because I don't know if you've heard anyone talk about Michael Jordan as a GM before, um, but it's funny. A lot of people are kind of making making the GOAT comparison to him being one of the worst GMs in the league. Um, and the thing is, I mean, it's not – I don't think it's quite deserved. I mean, I feel like he's kind of just trying to make a name for himself as a GM, and he's kind of just trying to put Charlotte back on the map since they've lost Kemba. Um, but the thing is with me is you signed Terry Rozier. And you expect him to be the guy. And then you draft LaMelo Ball. And now it's like, what, you're going to play Terry Rozier off the bench? Or you're going to move LaMelo to the two? Yeah, I think it's just going to – I mean, I'd be interested to see how it works out. Um, yeah, honestly, I just, I'm, I'm just really surprised with how they've kind yeah. of assembled that team. I mean, I don't even know what you really do. I mean, I think you still start LaMelo. I think that's what you do. Um. I don't. I think you start him or Terry, or even have Lamelo coming off the bench as like a six man for his first year. See how that goes. Um, but I'd be interested to see how it shakes out. And I mean, I don't know. I don't really know their cap at this point with the signing of Hayward. But if you have any more room to bring in any veterans or any guys that could come in to make an impact around Lamelo or around a guy like Terry Rozier, I feel like you kind of have to do that at this point. Yeah. Uh, FYI, oh, yeah, Nate, sorry, uh, MJ is their owner, not yeah. the GM, but. I see. I see your point, but yeah, I think MJ is just like opposed to rebuilding or something. I I think he's just yeah. he has this mentality that he wants to win, and instead of setting the team up for future success, he just keeps I making think, them mediocre by overpaying anyone, these okay players. Yeah. Like it's something they do every season. They did it with Batum and Marvin Williams, and then I mean, they did the, it with Terry Rozier, and now with Hayward. Like they just keep giving. I mean, these Jordan, bad Jordan has been to known to be a very players. prideful man. I mean, he doesn't really. I don't want to say he doesn't own up to his mistakes, but he he very much knows who he is and what people expect him to be. So I mean, I feel like that kind of plays into his decision making. The fact that people expect him to be inherently great at everything. So I feel like it's it kind of puts him behind the eight ball because he's kind of. I feel like he's trying to catch up to almost the league standard of what people expect him to do. So I feel like he's kind of going outside of his element to try to prove to people that he is good at what he's currently doing. And I mean, as you said, I feel like he's kind of shooting the future of their franchise in the foot by all these signings. As you said, Nick Batum was one of my least favorite signings of like recent history. I feel like that one kind of really stuck them into the ground and really didn't allow them the opportunity to build. Um, But I feel like if they didn't really, if they didn't, they didn't have to make this Hayward signing. And I feel like if they didn't make the signing, I feel like we would have seen a huge move for them next year or even something like down the line this season. But I feel like this kind of just puts them in a stalemate. Like this kind of puts them between a rock and a hard place because what do you do after giving Gordon Milli- or Gordon Hayward $30 million like you would give a top 25, 30 player in the league who's fully healthy at all times? I just don't get it. I was going to say one last thing. Go ahead, Curtis. Go ahead. Because I think this is the longest I've actually talked about the Hornets ever in my life. But... uh but uh obviously uh uh sorry nolan you've written the draft preview and the draft review articles and uh nate you wrote an article on the mellow ball earlier this summer saying why he's not necessarily underrated but he's not overrated so maybe can you guys talk about Lamelo ball a little bit and how you expect him to play in the nba this upcoming season so yeah they they have Lamelo ball who they just drafted and 
you know, he's supposed to be their potential star. And now they go and sign Gordon Hayward, who's kind of just going to take touches away from him and, and kind of be the star of the team now. And, like, they already have this, like, influx of guards with Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, Malik Monk. So, like, this team just isn't built very well at all. Mm-hmm. They, they should have just taken the year of just, you know, losing and rebuilding, built around LaMelo, Malik Monk, Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington, and then got another solid draft pick this year. And they could have set themselves up decently for the future. But by doing this, they're just going to become like a 10th or 11th team in the East. So they're not even going to get a super high pick. They're mm-hmm. going to cap like they're, they're not going to have a lot of cap room anymore because of Hayward. It just, it makes no sense at all. I don't get it. The, the thing is with me about the whole situation is I don't know how they don't look at other teams who have done things like this and don't recognize what they should do. I mean, it's not, it's not the, it's not the hardest thing in the world to realize that, as I said, um, when you're trying to rebuild around a particular player who you picked up, you're not trying to bring in players who are going to impede the progress of that player and how they're going to develop. And the biggest thing with me is how do you not look at a team like the Atlanta Hawks and look what they did with Trey Young? And you don't think to yourself, Oh, we should do something like that. Like you look at the Hawks and they were not good when Trey was a rookie. I mean, they had Kevin Herter still developing. They had Cam Reddish still on the team, but it's like, you look at it, they weren't bringing in players who we're going to immediately, as you said, uh, with Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball, going to take touches away and hinder the development early in their career as to what they could be for future years when they're actually going to be contending. And, I mean, you look at what Trey Young did. I mean, he's, he's been extremely productive. He's really found his own in the league already. And with LaMelo Ball, I mean, I don't know how – I mean, I don't think Gordon Hayward is a bad pickup by any means. I feel like he's a player that does provide a lot when healthy. But at a thirty million at a thirty million dollar a year clip, I feel like that is the farthest thing from justified at this point. Um, and I mean, with how much potential he has and how much he's shown early in terms of his IQ and his ball skills and his ability to facilitate other people, I don't know how you're not bringing in the kind of guys who are going to play to that kind of potential. And I mean, bringing in bigs who could even stretch the floor or even just not to be honest, just not signing a guy like Gordon Hayward at least to that much money to be able to bring in other guys who can do a very similar job for less who are also younger and would have more potential. So I don't know. It doesn't surprise me that they've made this move. As you said, the Hornets have kind of been bathing in mediocrity for the last half decade. So I am really not surprised, but I feel like with LaMelo, I feel like the biggest thing for him going forward is going to be really finding his own in the league. And it sounds redundant, but I mean, that's the same thing with any rookie. Um, He has a large amount of defensive potential with his, uh, with his skill set and his wingspan. Um, he does kind of, he needs to get better decision-making on defense. He's kind of really weak off the ball that a lot of people have seen. Um, but I mean, at his frame, I mean, give it, given a bit of time, maybe put on 15, 20 pounds of muscle. He'll really be able to withstand a full season and he'll, I think he'll become a really uh, dependable, like wing guard and perimeter guard, um, of many, many talented shooters. So I feel like his, his potential is going to be set on how well he develops defensively. I mean, um, I think his shot is going to need a bit of work, much like his brother Lonzo's did. Um, I think it'll kind of, we'll need time to see how it translates into the NBA, but he is a very streaky shooter. Um, but I think give him time to maybe bulk up a little bit, um, get his defensive, uh, instincts up a little bit. I think, uh, I think he could really become a huge threat because he does really have any, every other guard skill possible at this point. Despite all the, the family drama and stuff, I think Lamelo has kind of always been out of that. So. And I, I think he's proven to be a good player. Like, he went and played with men 
and he played well this last season. Obviously, uh, it's not one of the better leagues in the world, but it's still he, he's playing against men when I guess you could say a lot of these other guys are playing just against people their own age so that are in this draft. But, yeah, I agree. I think it's it's interesting, obviously, and I, I'm just going to basically be saying what you guys are saying and, again, just kind of baffles me the decisions that they're making and I almost wonder if maybe they trade one of those guards for another forward or another guy, another piece, but I don't know who you trade, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, to your point, I think if you're going to take one, I think the only one that you're locking in right now as you're guaranteed, I mean, I think it is really a choice. Like, you did give Terry Rozier all that money, so it would look really bad on that franchise if they signed him to all that, and then a year or two later, they end up shipping him off for, like, a six-round pick and a mediocre forward. Um, but I think the move to trade Devontae Graham, I feel like, would bite them in the foot because I feel like he has a really, really big potential of being either an elite six-man or even even honestly developing his skills and like breaking into the starting lineup. But I feel like the only one right now is Malik, Malik Monk that you could really get rid of. I mean, he has been given enough time, and I mean, I think he his potential is still very high. He is still young. I think he's like, what, 25, 24? So I think he does still have time. Um, but I think if you are going to choose to offload any of them, I think the most likely is Monk. Um, how much value he has right now in terms of the spectrum of what other guards are available and what other guards have been paid or valued at, I think is kind of a question mark. Um, but I think if you could trade him for, I don't know, hypothetically, even if you could get guy get a guy back that would be like an auto porter or something along those lines, I feel like that would be a really good move. But how likely Jordan and that GM and front office is to do that, I don't think is very likely. I feel like they're kind of going to roll with the hand that they're dealt and see how it plays out. But I feel like at this point, you just can't you can't bring in, a, in anyone who's going to shoot LaMelo's development in the foot. Um, because I feel like that that's kind of going to be their saving grace going forward. I feel like you kind of have to put all those eggs into that basket at this point because it is your best chance like to actually break out of mediocrity. Yeah. I mean, Malik Monk's still just 22, eh? He's not, he's not 24, 25. Oh, he's, damn. I thought he's he was younger than that. people realize. No, he's 22. Wow. He's still just 22. He's, uh, he's got some potential. I, I think they've kind of screwed up his development by acquiring so many guards and just sort of having him play off the bench so much. But, I mean, Terry Rozier would be the best scenario to trade. I think I just don't see any value. They're not going to get any value in return for him because – Nobody wants to take on that contract. Yeah. You know, just another terrible contract by Charlotte last year. So, yeah, they've kind of screwed themselves, especially after this Hayward deal. I don't really see where they can go from here. They're just going to have to hope LaMelo Ball just ends up panning out as best as he can. And then, like, two or three years from now, they can finally start to make some moves to, to build a team around them. But they don't really have the cap space to do that at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think transitioning also another um, a guard that maybe Lamelo Ball hopes to be like uh, Donovan Mitchell. Just breaking news, just according to Adrian Wojnarowski, signed an extension for 163 million dollars wow. over the next five years. I know this is kind of off the cuff, but uh, maybe if you guys want, to just give a quick couple like minute or two about uh, Donovan Mitchell and the signing, which I'll repeat again is a guaranteed 63 or sorry 163 million dollars. And it's over five years, with the possibility of it going up to 195. Wow, that's that is that is a crazy deal. First of all, um, but I think 
I think that is definitely justified. I mean, you look at that roster, and I feel like he is kind of the guy going forward. Um, but I think at that clip, I feel like it is, as I said, it is deserved. I mean, he has really done everything that's been asked, and he is the biggest. He is kind of has the most promising potential of that Jazz core going forward. I would say him and Rudy Gobert are kind of the things to build for the future towards. Um, but I think locking him down for the long term is really huge. That's going to also entice a lot of people to possibly join the Jazz on either a pay cut or even going into next year with how many how many prominent free agents there are. I feel like there's a lot of potential for them to bring in another star. Um, but I think I think locking him up long term is a really good decision for them. Um, I mean, much like I I really like the Sacramento Kings move of locking up Deer and Fox kind of the same way. Um, I feel like in order to build for your future, you have to be able to kind of bite the bullet sometimes and lock up guys that you know are going to be in your franchise for a long time. Um, and I mean, Donovan Mitchell's shown no kind of ill regard in terms of backwards development. I mean, he's really only strived forward throughout his early career. Uh, so it's kind of only looking up for him, much like De'Aaron. Um, but I mean, that that Jazz core right now, I think especially with Donovan Mitchell being locked up, I think looks really good for them in the West. Um, I think they do still have a lot of holes that they do kind of need to address. But from the players they have right now, I mean, but I think Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are a great base for them going forward. Um, I think even Joe Ingles goes under the radar. I mean, I, they still have Mike Conley. I mean, and uh, Royce O'Neal, I feel like, is going to start developing into a great player. Uh, we saw a lot from him uh, last year. I feel like he's going to maybe take a big step up this year with maybe an increased role. Um, but I mean, I really like what the Jazz did. I'm like that they locked them up long term, and I feel like that's really good for them. And I, I think it was something that had to be done, to be quite honest. Yeah, I agree. Uh, especially after that playoff run, he averaged 36 points per game in the first round. Like, how can you not sign a guy like that? Yeah. He's like 23. He might, he might have just turned 24, but I think he's still 23, somewhere in that age range. He's super young, showed a ton of potential. Uh, and he's already great. I feel like you have to be willing to pay a lot of money for a guy like that. He's the he's the face of the franchise at this point. So you gotta you gotta go all in on that. Yeah. Yeah. And to answer your question, he's twenty four years old, Donovan Mitchell. Okay, yeah, twenty four now. Um I did uh Nolan, I didn't want to uh I, I know we already kinda of covered the draft, but I did just wanna really quick I wanted to get your opinion on this. Um I mean there were a lot of players that like visibly slid this year in the draft from uh, prior rankings. Um I mean, Danny Adia, I mean, slipped down about four or five spots to most people's standards. Uh, much of many other guys similar to that. Um, in the first round uh, in particular, who do you think uh, maybe was on the benefiting end of uh, the biggest steal of the first round, in your opinion? Um, whew, that's a hard one. I think Detroit getting Killian Hayes seventh is going to be the steal of the draft because I'm super high on Killian Hayes. But... Um, yeah, that's that's I gotta go with Killian Hayes at seventh. I think that's the steal. Yeah, I uh, uh, Curtis, I guess I'll extend the same thing to you. Who do you think? Uh, who do you think, in your opinion, might be the biggest steal of the first round? I, I think it's obviously uh, pretty tough. I think you know you could. I think one guy, obviously, this is also to preface this is all from only reading Nolan's stuff, which has really informed me. So I'm sure you, I'm everyone. I'm not. I'm sure everyone should go and read his stuff. It's really good, uh, but. Basically, uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of tough. I think, you know, like you said, a lot of people have dropped in this draft. And I think, you know, a guy I was kind of uh, high on was uh, Devin Vassell. I'm pretty sure. I was just going to say him. Um, nice. Out of, out, of, out of Florida State, um, you know, he's really athletic guy. You know, I, I watched the clips, obviously, that Nolan showed me. Shout out Nolan again. 
Um, and he's really, you know, he, he's really looking to be a really good shooting guard in, in the NBA. And I also like that pick for the Spurs because, you know, they have a lot of pieces right now in their forward court and, or in their front court, sorry. And, uh, you know, need to maybe uh, expand on the shooting side, the shooting guard position. So I think it was a great pick for them. And, yeah, I could have seen – I honestly could have seen him going higher. I kind of thought for a second that, uh, you know, maybe the – I mean, the Suns were going to take him, but I thought maybe the Wizards might take him. But obviously with that team. But, uh, yeah, no, I think for me uh, he's uh, – Devin Vassell is the guy for me who I thought kind of slipped down this draft. But I think uh, moving on from that question, obviously, you know, we've talked a lot about the draft and certain signings and some trades. But what is one trade, or, trade sorry, or signing that you guys have seen so far in this offseason that we haven't talked about that you really like? Um, I mean, I'm just going to – I'm going to start with this one because I'm a huge fan of this one. Um, this one kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people, and I don't really think people understand how deep this signing goes. But I really, really like the uh, Wizards re-signing Davis Burtons. Um, I probably mispronounced that. Um, but he Davis is, Bertons, yeah. Yeah, Davis Bertons. Um, but Something he. Like that. But he uh, he's shown a lot, and I mean his development's been a really crazy. Um, he he's kind of been a guy who not necessarily uh, jumps out at you on paper, but he does a lot on the floor, and really he's been he's been recognized in the most recent years a lot. Like he was in the three point contest. Uh, I don't know if it was last year, or the year before, uh, but he's developed a lot. I mean he's been the kind of guy. I think I forget what he had last season or not last season, but the one before where he made the All Star game. I think he had like sixteen or eighteen points a game. Uh, he was playing really well. Um, but I think that signing for them is really good. I mean, whether or not they end up uh, retaining John Wall or if they end up trading him, um, I think he's a really good piece for them going forward for their core. Um, but I think he has uh, he has a lot of potential to give a lot to that team. And I feel like they only signed him, I think it was for like 15, 16 mil a year. And I mean, in terms of value, you can't really argue with that. I mean, he's an all-star. And getting him for 15, 16 million a year over three or four years, I mean, that's a great signing. Yeah, I don't know if I'd agree with he's an all-star, but uh, he's a a really good role player and, you know, potentially could become a star. Uh, I don't know if I'd I'd go that high, but I I do like Bertans a lot too. He shot 42% from three, like, back-to-back seasons. He's an absolute sniper from there. And he just had his, like, best season all around last year. Um, I don't know really how much... I like it with the Wizards, though. I don't really know what their their long term plan is here. Seems like Wall kind of wants to get traded at this point. So, do they like? Are they going to build around Beal and Hachimura and Bertans? Like, I don't. I, I would assume their I would assume their next move is locking up Roy, um, because he is he is one of the guys going forward that I would assume is going to be part of their core. Um, but I mean, yeah, as you said, I don't know how well. Uh, Burton's plays into what they're kind of trying to do now if Wall ends up coming back. But uh, I think if they end up keeping the core of, uh, of Hajimura, Beal, and Burton's, I feel like that could play out well. I just feel like it'll depend if they have such a ball-dominant point guard or not. And I feel like that'll kind of be on the way on the shoulders of John Wall as to whether or not he comes back. And they got uh, Abdia as well. I, I forgot about oh, that. Yeah. that. That was a good pickup for them. So, yeah, well... I thought Abdiou was kind of going to replace Bertans. I thought they were going to let him go and Abdiou was going to take his spot. So it's interesting. I, I do like the signing overall because I think he's getting a, a good like contract. He's not being paid too much. I think he's an underrated player that probably deserved a little bit more than he got. So from that standpoint, I kind of like it. I'm just 
I'm not really sold on the Wizards roster as a whole right now. No, neither am I. I think there are a lot of question marks going forward. I mean, the health of John Wall being the biggest one. Um, I well, mean, and John Wall wanting out as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Big the, thing. the thing is, I think him, him, much like what Russell Westbrook, I really don't think there's much of a market for him right now. I mean, he again, like he's one of the guys he hasn't really shown us much like lately. Like as I said, the NBA right now is very much a "what have you done for me lately" kind of league. Um, so I feel like John Wall not being healthy and really not uh, being able to put his best game out there and show people that he's still the same player, I feel like is going to kind of deter his value and deter his ability to be traded right now. So I feel like he'll end up returning. Um, but I mean, how well that ends up shaking out with the rest of that roster, I don't really know. Um, I would be really excited to see a fully healthy backcourt of uh, Beal and Wall again for the first time since like, what, 2015? So I mean, that'd what? be a per- or no, no, maybe not that late, 2016, 17. Um, yeah, seventeen probably. Yeah, but he uh, he does bring a lot when healthy. I mean, we've seen he was one of the most electrifying point guards in the league until he got hurt. So I would like to see him come back fully healthy. Uh, whether or not he gets traded, uh, I think is kind of going to be a big question mark going forward, much like Westbrook. But uh, I mean, if he ends up coming back and he ends up being anything close to the same player, I mean, I do really like that value signing of Bertans for them going forward. I, I think for me, you know the. An underrated time that might be because we're Toronto guys, and I think we all talked about this a little bit before the podcast on how much we really think this is an underrated signing. But I think you know the Clippers signing Serge Ibaka is a really great signing. I think he's one of the more underrated uh, big men in the NBA right now, which might be some people might groan at that statement. I also think you know just because of his shooting and the fact that he's played in Toronto for a couple years now that a lot of people forget about him. But I think he's a really good add to the. Uh, the Clippers and what they are trying to do, obviously, after the disappointing playoffs this year. Uh, maybe you guys can just expand on that and talk a little bit about your thoughts on that signing for the, for the Clippers. Uh, Nolan, you want to start with that? Sure. I think it's a huge signing for them. I think they really needed two things coming into the offseason. One was a, a center that can play good defense and can space the floor. I think he's actually an upgrade over Harrell because he, he fits – their roster a lot better than Harold did. And I think the other one that they still need to find is as a point guard who can who can play and make uh, great shots by himself. They're still kind of lacking that. But Ibaka really fills like that that defensive center role that can shoot the three. Doesn't need a lot of touches, but he's efficient when he gets them. He can kind of uh, guard multiple positions even. Like he's pretty versatile and switch. So I think he's going to really add a whole new dimension to their team. He's going to capitalize on their defensive potential. Everyone thought they'd be a great defensive team and they were kind of just missing that one piece, like the center that can, that can kind of uh, fill with the rest of their players. And Ibaka is definitely that guy. Yeah, I agree. Um, As you said, that was kind of the one thing they were missing was kind of that interior presence. Um, And Ibaka does provide a lot. I mean, he's still an elite shot blocking force. He really has been in his entire career and he's still a really good rebounder. Um, so I feel like he is going to bring a lot to that team. And uh, that core right now, I mean, uh, given given last year's struggles, I mean, I don't know how going into this season that's going to pan out. But, I mean, they're still going to be an extremely deep team and they're still going to compete much like they did last year. Uh, but I think Vaca is going to provide a lot for them. Um, he is still uh, really good uh, for spreading the floor from the five. I think it's going to provide for a lot more open looks for the rest of the guys on that team. So I feel like it's going to play really well into both sides of the ball for them. Yeah, I 
I think I've well, I already mentioned this, but you know his three point ability. I think he showed that in the bubble again when they came back. Just his uh, consistency, being able to hit the three, is something that I think a lot of people overlook. And you know, like you said, Nate, that him if he's able to do that this season, that will create more looks for Paul and uh, Kawhi. But you know, even if a lot of teams focus on Paul and Kawhi, that opens him up too for those open threes, like we saw when. Kawhi and Lowry were on the Raptors in that championship run. So, you know, I think it's a great signing for the uh, Clippers, and I don't see why this wouldn't work out. I mean, obviously, he's an older player. It's not a long-term fix for them, but I, they're just trying to win the championship next year, and I think this definitely helps them on that road. But uh, I think moving on, is there anything else that you guys want to talk about that we didn't touch on? Uh, the Drew Holiday trade, I think, is, is a big one that we need to talk about. We kind of briefly mentioned it when we were talking about the Pelicans, but from the Bucks' perspective, I think this is exactly what they needed to to really put them into uh, contention. Bledsoe was kind of choking for them in the playoffs, and uh, Holiday is just a proven playoff performer. He does everything Bledsoe does, but better. Like he's better defensively, even though Bledsoe is a good defender. He's an even better passer. And I think he's just much better as someone that you can give the ball to like in late shot clock situations or in the half court and just have him like attack the rim or set up plays. Like Bledsoe was really struggling with that and Holiday just adds a whole new dimension to their offense. I think it's going to help them a lot. Yeah, he. Uh, I agree with you. I think he was definitely uh, one of the bigger signings or one of the biggest pickups, uh, sorry, this offseason. Um but as you said, I mean, he plays a, a lot bigger of a role than Bledsoe did. I feel like he can do a lot more. And I feel like his two-way game is going to speak volumes to how well his – or how big his impact really is because Drew um, – what is it? Sorry. Um, Drew Holiday, really, he um, – I feel like he he's the kind of guy that he's not – he doesn't come in and his impact oftentimes isn't the most evident. I mean, he does put up really good stats. Um, but, I mean, his – the stats can only really, like – implies so much and i mean if you watch him play he does a lot more than than the stats really say um i mean his impact on perimeter defenses and ability to switch on and off the ball is pretty is pretty impeccable to be quite honest um but i feel like he's going to bring a lot to that team and uh as i said i feel like a lot more than bledsoe did he's going to provide a new level for them for sure oh and you, you just hear how other stars in the league talk about him like especially on the defensive end you hear guys like kevin durant call him the best defender in the league Damian Lillard called him the best defensive guard. Like, people that are stars really respect how good he is defensively. Like, even in, like when he played for the Pelicans when they had Anthony Davis in that one series against the Trailblazers, completely shut down Damian Lillard. It was a huge reason why they swept him in that series. Like, he's just a beast on the defensive end. So, uh, I think it's a huge signing for the Bucs. He, he's better defensively than Bledsoe, even though Bledsoe was a good defender. And he he's just much better on offense. I think. Yeah, I was gonna, gonna say gonna he's him. he's worlds above Bledsoe on offense, and I feel like that you're gonna see that kind of impact. I feel like you're gonna see it immediately. To be quite honest with you, I agree. Um, but yeah. I mean, other other than that, I think we've covered most of it. To be quite honest, I think just how I want to end off this podcast before we obviously get to the shoutouts and to the conclusion, I just want to ask you. So Lakers are winning the championship, right? <laughs> wow. I mean, I mean, I don't want to like, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I mean, much like last season, I mean, all signs are pointing to yes. Um, I mean, the signing of AD right now is pretty much a formality. Um, I feel like it, as you said, they're kind of just trying to work out the numbers for him right now. Um, 
But the biggest thing for me, especially with them going forward, is I just think it's going to depend on what other moves are going to be made around the league. And I mean, with how strong the West is, I mean, I feel like a few of those top contending teams with one more elite role player or maybe even a solidified starter added to some of those teams, they could be a real threat. Like, uh, honestly, I think uh, the Clippers now, I think with the pickup of a Buck, I feel like that's going to be really big for them. I feel like that signing is going to go a bit under the radar. Um, but I mean, I, I think right now I would agree with you. I think right now they are the clear favorite. Um, but I mean, I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse because I mean, the ability to repeat, especially in today's NBA is hard. Um, I mean, the Warriors did it, but that was kind of, I don't want to say that was kind of out of the ordinary because of how much talent they had, but it is kind of justified there. Um, but I'd be interested to see what they do. I would love to see LeBron win another championship though. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers are definitely the favorites, but I think they're beatable. I think there's a lot of really good teams in the league right now, probably more than we've seen in a lot of recent years. There's more, like, legitimate contenders. I think the Bucks are going to be a really tough team to beat this year. Uh, I think the Clippers are going to be really tough. Nuggets are going to be good. Warriors losing Clay really hurts them. I think they were they were one of the teams yeah, I was I really high on. Uh, let's see what happens with the Nets, even, like, there's rumors that they might get hard and I don't know how that fit would work, but having three superstars would be, would be a, a tough team in theory. So I, I don't think the Lakers are unbeatable. I do think they've gotten better since last year. I think the Schroeder and the Herald signing and the West Matthews ones, uh, that one's a underrated one as well, yeah. but it's not like a, this isn't a Warriors situation where like they're just clearly the favorites. Like you can't even, you can't even predict anyone else to have, like a straight face i think the lakers uh are the favorites for sure but i don't think this is like an automatic win no i agree i i think you know the reason why i just say that is because i think last year when you look at the lakers you could point you know okay they have lebron ad and rondo and they have kuzma but like when you look at that bench they didn't really have a lot of guys coming off that bench that you were like really like scared of but now when you look at obviously all those signings that we just mentioned by this team, it's really hard not to be scared because when you think about it, the way the Raptors won their championship in 2019 was the bench along with Kawhi being in the starting five, obviously like we're not going to diminish Kawhi's role, but I think, you know, it just shows you how important it is to have a deep bench. And now the Lakers already won a chip and now they just have an even deeper bench. So, I mean, and I haven't seen that many, like, crazy bit of changes in the NBA to make one team rise as that, like, true, like, vice, or maybe not, maybe the Lakers are the vice, but that true um, sparring partner for the Lakers. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think Brooklyn, if they make another big splash, will be very interesting. I think Brooklyn, if they make another big move, like Harden, like you mentioned, uh, Nolan, they will they will win the East in my opinion, if they do something like that. But yeah, that's just my opinion. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And obviously, you know, Giannis and the Bucks are always going to be a good team. So I think where I'm going to end it off is uh, just a quick uh, yes or no question for you guys. And you can answer so that you can answer this quickly, but are the Raptors a top 10 team in the NBA right now? All of the, everything we know right now, are they a top 10 team in the NBA? Um, that's so tough. I mean, I I want to say yes, I really do. But the thing is, you got to look at it like, 
especially in the East right now with how much like top top heavy talent there is. I mean, I don't think right now, like given, I don't really know the health, the extent of the health of KD right now, but right now I would put the Nets above them comfortably. I would put the Bucks above them right now. Um, and then even in the West, I think they're easily five or six teams right now that I think outmatch them. But I think the only way they would sneak in would be at around 10. But right now I would say no. I think they would. I think they're in need of one or two more pieces. I'm actually going to go yes. I think uh, Nick Nurse as the coach is enough to get that roster to be to be good enough to be a top ten team. But I think they're they're comfortably in like the nine yeah. thirteen range that, that's, somewhere yeah, in there. I agree. So borderline top ten. Yeah, I. Yeah, it's a very interesting team, and I also think that you know the East is going to look very different this year, especially like we said, you know. Having a full season of KD in the Brooklyn will be interesting, and we'll have to see what happens with that. Obviously, but I, yeah, it's just going to be very interesting. I obviously I'm not saying the Raptors won't make the playoffs, but I actually, do you, what do you guys think of the Celtics? Do you think the Celtics are a better team than the Raptors right now? No. Um, uh, I I think, they are. I think with who they have, I think their talent on paper, I think, is better than the Raptors, but I think. I don't think they are a better team than us right now. I mean, I feel like, as you said, Nolan, I feel like Nick Nurse holds a lot of weight. And, I mean, the thing is, is individual talent can only do so much. Um, and, I mean, the Celtics, the Celtics, I mean, respectively on paper, do kind of outmatch us as of right now. Um, but I think head-to-head, I think we, for the most part, we play fairly well against them. But I think right now I would probably take the Raptors over the Celtics. And honestly, that's not even that's not even any bias with it. I just think head-to-head, I just think that's a good matchup for us. I think the the big difference here, like last year for me, they were basically even. And the Celtics ended up winning the series. I actually predicted the Raptors to win, but I said seven games. I thought they were pretty even. Here's, like The thing is, the Celtics signed Tristan Thompson, which kind of helps fill that center gap for them. He's not a great player, but it, it will help. And the Raptors lose Serge Ibaka. And I think those two moves kind of swings the balance in favor of the do you, Celtics. Do you think? Because yeah. obviously there's been rumors swirling the last uh, hour and a half that the Raptors and Gasol are close on a contract, actually. Do you think that makes any difference in that conversation, them having Gasol back at the center position? Um. I mean, the thing is, really. is I don't want to say he's out of his prime, but he clearly isn't the player he used to be. Um, and I mean, you saw it late into the bubble last year. Like, and I got really, I can't lie, I got a bit frustrated with Gasol because a lot of times late in that uh, Celtics series, he ended up becoming very much of a liability on defense. Uh, they were really much, they were really attacking him off the pick and roll because they know he's too slow to kind of catch up to either the guard on the roll or even the big man on a slip. Um, and I mean, I just, Regardless of what we sign him for, I just don't think he provides that kind of impact that we need right now. Like, genuinely, I'd rather start Chris Boucher. Um, but, I mean, I think time will, like, if we sign him for a de- like a good deal, like, I would say anything, like, between five and seven, I think it's pretty reasonable. I think he could end up getting more than that elsewhere. But I think if he does choose to re-sign, I don't think it's going to be for that as much as people think. So, I mean, I think if we sign him for a good amount, I think that's a good move, but I just don't think he's the answer that we need on the inside right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Gasol's kind of pretty much done at this point. He he looked a little bit sluggish off in the bubble. Yeah. All right, before I uh, start doing the uh, ending of this podcast, or before we start wrapping it up, is there anything you guys quickly wanted to bring up that you're thinking you just thought of, or you you 
been thinking of that we haven't talked about. Um, just really quick, I just wanted to throw this out there. Um, the fact Harden declined fifty million dollars a year, I think, is probably the stupidest decision in sports. And I understand he wants to win, but come on, how do you stare fifty million dollars a year in the face and say no? That's that's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Money isn't everything. That's my answer. He's still even if he doesn't get that much. Oh he's yeah, still no, he's still he's money, still gonna. So. What's the difference between fifty million a year and forty five yeah, million? I mean, a year, he's really? still he's like, still gonna catch money not... wherever he goes. Um, still but I mean, Maserati. Yeah. Man. What about Boogie Cousins? What's what's gonna happen um, with him? I mean, you you and I were talking about that. I think in the DMs a few days ago. Um, I think he would he would be the kind of guy that I actually wouldn't mind the Raptors picking up. I don't think he's at the end of his. I mean, you think he's? I don't think he's at the end of his career. I think his his prime window is dwindling, even though it was kind of impeded by injury. Um, but I think I think a guy much like Gasol, like if we can bring him in for a good price, I feel like he'll do a lot for our team. Um, and I mean, it'll depend much like a lot of other guys who are being signed, like Hayward got all that money. I feel like it'll depend on his health, whether or not it's worth it. But I mean, a fully healthy Boogie Cousins, I, I think would do nothing but good for us. I think personally, Boogie Cousins is kind of, maybe this is a little harsh, but I think he's kind of washed at this point. He's played on a lot of good teams. And even when he was healthy in those teams, he hasn't really shown me a lot. So Sure, I think, you know, obviously you want your roster to be deep, and I think Boogie Cousins makes the, if we're talking about the Raptors, makes their roster deeper than it is currently right now. But do I necessarily need Boogie Cousins? No. Do I want him? I guess. Like, <laughs> I thought you were going to go, no. Like, I mean, like, I won't be upset. Like, unless they pay him, like, $10 million, then I'd be upset. Yeah. Exactly. But that's like, kind of the same. That's the same boat I'm in too. Like, I feel like as long as they don't overpay, it's a good move. I'm sorry, I'm a hockey guy. I have to take it back. It's like the Leafs signing Jimmy Vesey for 900k. Like, it's hard to get upset if he signs for five mil, which is nothing in the NBA, and just plays off the bench. I'm like, I'm okay with that, I guess. But like, do the Raptors really want Bogey Cousin? Like, I just don't think he fits their culture very well. So I don't know. I yeah, like, I agree. I think. If you can get him for a one-year deal for, like, five mil or less, um, and then if he ends up just randomly being healthy and playing, like, a star again, then you could end up getting a steal. So I don't hate the idea of just throwing a little bit of money at him for a short-term deal because it's low risk and there's technically some potential for high reward. But I don't think he really fits the Raptors' culture either. I think he'd be better off going. I could – I honestly don't see him – like, I don't want to say I don't see him on a roster, but, like, like I don't – I just think he's – I don't want to say he's done, but, like, that's how it feels to me. Like, he had his shot Okay, so the Warriors to show that what he can do, and I don't think he showed it. That's just my opinion. Okay, so before he gets signed, I do just want to throw this out there for anyone who ends up possibly timestamping this later. Um, if he doesn't end up going to a contender, I guarantee he goes to the New York Knicks for, like, $15 million a year. I, I would – and the thing is – that is That's the, what I'm that saying. Thing and the thing do. is, it That's wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Because, like, you look at that roster, like, they drafted Obi Topin, and literally the only thing they have an influx of is forwards. And, like, they just drafted another forward. And yeah. it's like, I don't want to say that's the Knicks culture right now, but, God, do Knicks fans love seeing an open fast break dunk. They love it. 
<laughs> do the Knicks fans love seeing aging uh, middling players? Yes, and, they do. And, so and, OB, and OB Topin slams home the fast break dunk. Knicks are only down 27. Yeah, he gets the boogie. Cousins passes the ball to him for the dunk. Oh, yeah. Boogie Cousins throwing that? airmail outlets. You think Westbrook's going to go to well, the Well, no, Knicks? that's what I'm saying. I feel like he def- if he doesn't go to a contender, I could definitely see, like, the Knicks or someone else overpaying him for sure. I don't know who else would want him other than the yeah, Knicks. That, like, to be, that to be honest, I don't know. I could see – I could see uh, – what? It, oh, why did they just slip my head? It, I could, I could see him like, coming off the bench maybe for the Heat, to be quite honest with you. I, with, their, the, with, the their, four, with their with their culture, with their culture, I feel like they're picking up Rockets and Cam for Westbrook. Wait, what? Not a chance. They're, they're, That's the only way. Their forward is way too like, built for him to be in there for the heat, in my opinion. I, I like Westbrook's contract is so high. You have to go. Wait, what, so are we, much what are we talking about? Westbrook? Like, there's no way my. Who's what? Yeah. Who said Westbrook? No, oh, I said wait, I said I said Cousins may be able to come off the bench for a team like the Heat. Oh, cousins. No, okay, I, that makes more sense. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think it's likely happen, either. But I, I thought we were going to a team like Sorry. that, like a deeper team, possibly getting like five or ten minutes a game, uh, kind of just to like load manage other players. Um, Honestly, I could see him going to Indiana uh, as a bench guy. Yeah, yeah. If I was going to say with Miles Turner, Turner that move would kind of be obsolete, to be quite honest. Like Turner's going to be logging like 35, 40 minutes a game. But the. They might be. The training thing is, I wouldn't be. That wouldn't surprise me either. Um, uh, I think in the end you get uh, Bogdanovich. What, uh, like like Bogdan, like the one who's on the Kings. Bogdan. I think. I think the yeah, the Kings one. Yeah. Uh, most about how I feel about Boogie Cousins is that until you brought him up, I completely forgot he existed. Wow, wow, salt, in like the, <laughs> salt in the wound of Boogie Cousins. I mean. I don't want to say Boogie Cousins come fight me because I'd lose that fight, but like I don't know, like that's just that's just how I feel. Like I don't like I don't know. Maybe you guys can disagree. I think he's kind of washed at this point. So like, so can... you're so you're sitting here right now and telling me that you would Brittany Griner Demarcus Cousins? <laughs> well, this, this is, no, no, no. I got the joke. I don't Wait, know what? if you got it. Nate. I don't know no, if I Curtis got okay, the well, joke. Well, no, I'm glad you I got like it. Thank you. Wait, wait, wait. Can you say it again because you cut out? Yeah, no, I said, Curtis, are you telling me that you're going to Brittany Griner, DeMarcus Cousins? Did you? I, I, assume, <laughs> you, I assume you've heard that story of her saying that she could beat DeMar- DeMarcus Cousins in the uh, USA training yeah. camp. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, bro, I, that, I that interview that. produced one of my favorite sound bites of all time. Her coach is standing there and goes, if, I'm, if that game is there with no referees, I'm selling my house. <laughs> putting all the money on Demarcus Cousins in front of Brittany Griner. Uh, um, yeah, so too I think I mean I mean you can clip this out. Or, I mean I can clip this out to be laughed at later. But I'll make this statement right now for everyone. I believe Boogie Cousins or not Boogie Cousins. Uh, who do I'm blanking his name right now? This is how much I don't care about him. Demarcus Cousins is not. A good NBA player anymore. Well, I mean, it's not. It's not like it's pretty evident. Is like to see that he is past his prime. I mean, he's not playing anywhere up to the potential that he used to. I mean, you look at him back in his Kings days, and he was literally one of the premier centers, if not the premier center, for a few years at least. I mean, he did kind of have a stiff decline, like given given being helped by injury in that way. But 
I think he still has a home. I just don't think the market for him is as big as people think. And I feel like it's going to be, I think it's going to either going to be a value signing or it's going to be a fit signing. I feel like it'll depend on destination for sure. I think nobody's just like, nobody wants these kind of centers anymore. That was my concern with James Wiseman and you're just kind of seeing it now. Even, even Hassan Whiteside. The only thing is, is like, nobody wants him. Like Andre Drummond, just traded him for what John Henson, Brandon Knight, and a second round pick. Like nobody wants these kind of centers anymore. They're just they're liabilities defensively. Yeah, the league the really league is moving on. away from the big big man, is so to speak. It's moving it's moving more towards like what we're seeing, like a floor spacing four and five, or even like a mobile like ball handling four. Like that's kind of the next wave of players that we're seeing, like undersized guard almost forwards. Um, but yeah, I mean, much, yeah. much to what you're saying, I feel bad almost because Andre Drummond definitely has the talent to be in the league. It's just, it's unfortunate that he doesn't have the kind of play playing capabilities to keep up with today's league. Um, but people, honestly, people kind of forget like DeMarcus Cousins can spread the floor. Like he can shoot the three at a decent clip. I mean, he doesn't really get enough minutes to actually clock numbers, but he can shoot. Yeah. Offensively isn't really. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he, he's, 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 he's more than the now. Like he's then, very, he's very he's, I, I, I feel like him, yeah. Gasol, and uh, Jonas Valanciunas when he was here are all kind of the same, have the same problem. Maybe Jonas has kind of overcome this and has become a better player since leaving Toronto. And even towards the end, maybe it's unfair to those guys are just too slow for the modern NBA. And like it's hard for them to play defense in a modern NBA where you're basically like once you set your feet, you're done. Like, and that's how I view those guys is that once they set their feet and like, it's like as soon as they stop moving, they're like in quicksand, like they can't move. So I just, that's just how I feel. No, I get that. I agree. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Jonas Valachunas, that I just called you out there, but that was the reason why you got traded from the Raptors. But I mean, I, I've always liked JV. Like JV, I don't know what it was about JV, but just seeing JV score and get excited always got me excited. He was kind of just a feel good player. Like he was like, uh, what is it? Like, <laughs> Um, whenever you saw like whenever you saw Taco fall like in the summer league, and everyone was like gassing him up, like whenever you saw Taco score and you saw him smile, you like you're smiling. Like a happy Taco is a happy you. Hundred <laughs> percent. But I think uh, moving on, I just want right. to thank again uh, Nolan for joining us, despite the blunder at the beginning of the episode, which it was, <laughs> which was terrible. I'll admit it was terrible, so I apologize for that. But uh, Nolan, uh, this is your time. Shout out what you want to shout out and uh, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, uh, just check out the articles that I've uh, been releasing on the draft. Uh, I think I released three of them. One was a a recap of the draft, and there was two that were sort of a a ranking of all the prospects. Uh, Aside from that, just just look forward to whatever I'm going to do next. I don't really know yet. So, uh, Nate, we'll do you, anything you want to plug this week? Uh, I mean, just make sure to go check out the podcast on uh, whatever platform you're listening to. Subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review. Uh, leaving a review, I mean, it's kind of huge for us. Like, kind of expands us to a new uh, demographic, a new audience. So, I mean, viewer viewer engagement is really big for us. Kind of pushes us into the next uh, next stage of our uh, next stage of our podcast. So, that'd be pretty cool if you guys could do that. Uh, and besides that, uh, given given the finalization of uh, NBA free agency. I'll be, probably be coming out with a top 10 top 10 favorite signing, most impactful signings. Um, 
and uh, you probably see that in the next, next few days once everything's kind of set in stone and the last few players, the last few balls have dropped. So, yeah, let's stay tuned for that. Uh, yeah, just for me, uh, you obviously, you know, I'm going to share that my own uh, social media for once. So you can there find you go. me on Instagram, uh, the C Martin 2292 You can uh, follow the gram. I got some good picks up there. My last picks actually with the cutie across from me and Nate. Oh, so there we go. Make sure make sure to give that a like and then you can also follow me on twitter and my twitter is at c martin 3876 so yeah make sure to follow those because i usually post on my stories for both of those or just in general on twitter i just tweet about everything that goes up on this site so if you really want to have your pulse on what we're doing at uh, otl sports uh, make sure to follow me but uh that being said oh actually quickly i'll shout out i just released uh my uh, Buffalo Sabres uh, off-season preview article. I know it's not basketball, but we'll give it the plug. Uh, make sure to also check out all the other guys who have been working really hard on their off-season uh, reviews as well. I think we're up to about six different articles in the series, so we're plugging away. We've done most of the uh, Atlantic Division, so uh, if you want to read those, make sure to check us out, overlinesports.ca. But, yeah, I think it's going to do it for us this week, guys. Uh I just, again, want to thank Nolan for coming back onto the show and to remind all of you to like and subscribe to this podcast. It really means a lot to me and Nate. You know, uh, it's going to help expand. Make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, like Nate already said. And, uh, yeah, that would mean a lot. And also to make sure to check out our uh, social media, which is at OTL Sports CA on Twitter and Instagram. Also, make sure to check out our page on Facebook, which is Overline Sports CA. And uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Make sure to check out the articles on the website. Again, www.overlinesports.ca. And uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Have a good one.